I told him when we first met him in the hospital, I said to Maverick, we're gonna do the best we can, probably not gonna get it right all the time. And I just ask your patience and your forgiveness as we, as we do this together. Curious Neuron Podcast, where we take a compassionate approach to science-based parenting. Join us as we break down the science of child development and parenting into digestible and applicable advice. Welcome. Welcome back to another episode of the Curious Neuron Podcast. My name is Cindy Huffington and I am your host. I am a mom of three from Montreal, Canada, and I am the founder of Curious Neuron, as well as the co-founder of the WonderGrade app. Both links could be found in the show notes. I have a PhD in neuroscience and my goal is to bring you the research in any way possible. I do this on Instagram. So if you aren't following me, you can follow at curious underscore neuron. I really summarize the research studies more on Instagram. You can get a longer form on the blog at curiousneuron.com and you can come here on the podcast and subscribe if you want to hear conversations with experts. And I try to bring in some of the research and put that in the show notes for you as well. Um, If you haven't done so yet and you're enjoying the Curious Neuron podcast, please take a moment to rate it and leave a review on iTunes. And when you do so, send me a screenshot at info at and I will send you a free PDF that I have on my academy uh, at the Curious Neuron website. There is the academy where you can have courses and PDFs. And I will send you the one about tantrums that gives you these two really amazing printables that will help you teach your child about their emotions. Before we move on to today's interview, I would like to thank the Tannenbaum Open Science Institute at the Neuro here in Montreal for supporting the Curious Neuron podcast. I am so truly grateful for their support and that they understand how important open science is uh, as I do here. And that's why I'm trying to share the science with you. All right. So as you know, every once in a while, I try to bring in a parent or some parents to discuss their journey. I had called it, am I the only one at some point, but I removed it at this point. I just bring in parents whenever I have the opportunity because I can share the research with you as much as I can or possibly can. But at some point, we just want to feel seen uh, and we just want to connect with other parents who have experienced something similar to us. Or even just hearing about somebody's journey um, can be helpful for us to understand ours or to get curious and compassionate about other parents around us. I find that sometimes on these parenting platforms, including mine, when I post about certain topics, you know, parents will sometimes attack each other and, and, and criticize each other and judge each other according to what they wrote. And it could be about screen time. It could be about, um, you know, a sleep training or whatever it is. I, I think we have to keep an open mind. And when I saw, I discovered Stephen and Brett's account a little while back now, and they just bring so much joy um, to to my day. And I, I, I'm going to share this with them in the interview as well. They really do. They're just so happy and bring such a good energy. And they now have a son of their own. I wanted to have this conversation with them to understand their journey around surrogacy. I was really curious to see how that worked and how that happened on their end. So I was really excited to speak with them and, and hear about their journey. They are just such wonderful human beings. And I know that you will enjoy this conversation with them. 
Today, I will be talking with Brett Shufford and Stephen Hanna. Uh, they are both Broadway actors and Broadway husbands who have now become dads. They are so grateful that they met at, while working on Broadway, and now this blog that they have is their way to connect with their community. Their mission is to help everyone live their best Broadway life. <laughs> I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did, and I will see you on the other side. Welcome back, everyone, to the Curious Neuron Podcast. I am here today with two guests, two special guests, Brett, Brett and Stephen. Welcome, guys. Bonjour. Thank you for having ah, bonjour. us. <laughs> Merci thank beaucoup. you. You know, I, I just want to say thank you from the start because I enjoy your platform and the energy that you guys bring. Whenever you're live, I just hop on just for like that little pick me up and like just to hear you guys talk. I, I love following you guys. So thank you for everything that you do and spreading light every single day. Oh, wow. Thank, thank you. you. That's, that's such a good comment. Yeah, that's so sweet. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So I do have lots of questions for you guys. I would love to start at the adoption, but maybe we can start a little bit before so that we can get to know you guys first. So how did you meet and how did this lead to parenting for you guys? Well, <laughs> Brett and I met the first time that I remember actually talking to him was on a subway platform in 2006. It was August and in New York we, City. In New York City. And we had seen each other around um, through mutual friends. And he introduced himself. And we kind of talked that day. And that was the first time we spoke. Steven had really long curly hair. Oh, my God. With blonde highlights. <laughs> I was going through a lot of, like, life changes. And I was so into it. I was, like, so... Uh, wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. It was... <laughs> When I pushed it back, it was all brown. But when I pushed it forward, there were blonde streaks. I didn't care. Oh, yeah. I was like, this guy's hot. I'm, I'm so it. into it. It worked. <laughs> so that's kind of how we first like saw each other and talked. And then we went to a Christmas party. Or I went to his Christmas party that year. And um, it was like, um, you know, fireworks were going off basically at Christmas. Um, no, you know, it was like we like couldn't stop staring at each other. It was like super flirty, like really crazy flirty. You know, you're like in your mid 20s. It was intense. Just, yeah, it was. I remember being like, I have such an intense attraction to this yeah, guy. Yeah. And he, I kept thinking he's so way beyond my, I, like beyond my league. Like he's like so beautiful. Like he would never be interested in me. Oh, please. It's crazy how oh, we, what we do to ourselves, right? Well, so yeah. we stared intensely. We were both in like really terrible relationships at the time. And then, we just kind of stayed in touch, and once we were both out of our respective relationships, we um, we basically went out, and that was that. That was basically it. Um, and then the rest, the rest is, is history. history. <laughs> you know, it took us a you know a couple months before we were like really dating and together, but um, that was kind of it. There was you know? one point in that first two years where I was like with Steven, and I was like, you know, it'd be really fun to raise a kid with you. I think that'd be really fun. Yeah, and um. Steve was like, yeah, it could be fun. And that was it. That we just like, that was, we, that was in the end of that conversation. Yeah, that was the beginning of that. We never really revisited it. Um, and also, you know, at the time, like we really started dating in 07. Is that right? Officially. Yeah, yeah. Officially. And then, um, and then Brett actually proposed to me in 2008. And like at that time, at least in my, like, in front of me as a person, like, I just didn't really think of marriage. And so I definitely wasn't really um, aware or awakened to the idea that I could have a child. 
I knew that maybe I always wanted one, um, but I didn't know that that would would be a part of my life or possible. So I think when he brought it up the first time, it was just kind of like, yeah, that would be awesome. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) no other thought towards it. And that was like pretty early on, like you said, two years. Um, And I remember like what happened from, from me personally is I witnessed family, blood family, um, you know, witnessed my straight brother's, marry and divorce and have kids and then Mm. marry again and divorce and have kids. And like, I was like, it's just so easy for them. Like they can just Mm. get their wives pregnant. And Mm. I was like, I've been with the same person all this time and I would really like to have a kid, but it's not easy for two men. So Mm. we weren't really sure. And I remember thinking like, gosh, I, I just know like if I could do that, I would be such a great dad. Like, I just know I would, I would have so much fun doing that, but I just don't know how to make that happen. And I think Mm -hmm. the first time we ever took, um, action, like towards actually doing anything, not even action. I mean, we went to a growing your family seminar. Let's say that's what it would be called a growing your family seminar. Um, we went to a meeting at the, um, the LGBTQ plus center in, In in New York and so they had different people there talking about um, adoption, adoption versus, surrogacy. versus surrogacy versus um, open adoption and foster foster and, and, like, yeah, and all these you know options. just like mm. talking about different um, journeys and they had people there that each had children through different ways um, so that was interesting and I think that that really got our um, you know we were excited and interested and you know it's it's interesting because in, for a long time we always said we would adopt Um, that was always just what we would do or what we had planned on doing. Um, and we even had a a really close friend that went through the surrogacy process. And I remember they had, you know, their journey was also very long and they had a lot of disappointment along the way before their child was born. And I remember every time we would talk to them and we would leave, I would say, Oh, I don't know. I, I, that Surrogacy just, doesn't, that doesn't sound like it's for no, me. And it's like, so expensive. And- yeah. Just, I would say that doesn't sound like it's <clears throat> for me or for us. So the next thing that really happened was, um, you know, that happened probably in 2015 and then 2017 rolls along. We're watching this um, Molly Shannon movie. It was not a comedy. She was playing a mother dying of cancer And her gay son was talking to her on her deathbed. And she said, just promise me one thing. Um, Just promise me that you'll come visit your sister when I'm gone. And he was like, of course. Like, why wouldn't I do that? He was like, and she said, if you do that, you'll always see me in her face. And I just like (laughs) lost it. (laughs) And um, oh it's a great movie. It's a great movie. I can't even remember what but, it's called. I should remember it because. <laughs> but that was the moment Stephen was like, we "I want to have a biological child." Yeah, we should have a biological. Child. And so mm. we looked into surrogacy and started getting more information about it, and started that process. And um, and it took us four years from yeah. when we started to when we gave birth to Maverick. Yeah, almost exactly wow. to the day it took four years. Yeah. So, so I'm sorry. I actually thought it was adoption, but it was surrogacy. And I'm sorry I made that mistake. Okay. Oh, it's all wow. good. So four years. Yeah. So how did it work then? How do you is how, how do you find somebody that you know? Yeah. Or how so, does that work? Well, for us, the process, and mm-hmm. this, uh, no surrogacy journey is the same. But typically, mm-hmm. you know, the, the egg is an, an, an 
an, an anonymous egg donor. Say that six times. An anonymous That is um, hard. You know, so that <laughs> we found an egg donor through our mm-hmm. fertility clinic. They had their own um, donation process. So we looked at profiles um, and that's who, so we chose actually like the first one that we looked at, we, we stepped away and looked at some other ones and then we came back to her and that's who we chose because we had like a visceral re- reaction to her video. She yeah. had a video and basically we cried yeah. and yeah. And then, um, so then, um, so then we were able to make the embryos through the fertility clinic. Once we got the egg donors, eggs, they, we had already donated our sperm, so they made the embryos and they froze the embryos because frozen embryos actually take better than frozen eggs. Didn't know that. I didn't know that. Um, and hmm. so they had, I think we ended up with five frozen embryos. <clears throat> we did. Once we got to that stage, we, need, we, we needed to recover financially because that alone was so expensive. And it wow. took us, I don't know, maybe a couple of years or maybe a year and a half. We, I started meeting, um, I met this surrogate, potential surrogate through Facebook on a Facebook group for surrogate and intended parents. Do not do that if you're listening to this. That was such a mistake because <clears throat> she ended up being kind of an okay candidate, like not a great candidate. And our doctor was kind of like, if you really want to use her, like, I'm okay with it, but I don't love it. And we were like, okay. Mm. And then literally like right before we had the contract, we, we just got the contract written up by the lawyers. Cause you have to get everything legally cleared before you mm. do anything. Um, she bailed on us. So we were just like mm. totally devastated, totally <laughs> crushed. And this was mm. in uh, November of 2019. Um, and then two weeks later, we went to a friend's birthday party and in New York City. In New York City, and a mutual friend um, of, was there. Uh, a mutual friend was there, and she came up to us and just was like, "Oh my God, I heard that you lost your surrogate. I would totally carry your child for you." And we were like, "And we were like, we're gonna call you tomorrow." Yeah. You've had too much wine. Yeah, yeah we thought oh, she was drunk. We we're like, "Are you drunk?" Um, and she next day she was like, "No, I'm serious. I wouldn't offer this to anybody, but I just think you'd be great dads. I'd love to do this for you." Mm-hmm. And. Turns out she was a perfect candidate. The doctor was like, she's great. And everything was ready. Oh, they go through tests? Yeah, you like, have to go, uh, through, have to yeah, go, through, you go through psychological wow. background physical. checks, criminal background checks. They do a whole physical. Mm. They, basically, they do what they call like a saline. Um, what do they call it? Where they basically have to look at her uterine lining and make sure it's a good candidate. Like, there's all the stuff that has wow. to be done. Yeah. Um, and so we got all of that done ready to go ready to like do our first like day with her and her husband Husband. at the fertility clinic to all meet with the doctors and everything scheduled for the like end of march 2020 yeah and literally the week Mm. before yeah (laughs) yeah everything shut down (laughs) she lived in orlando our clinic was in connecticut we lived in new york city there was just no way we were going to make that work so that postponed it again Mm. um and then they kept pushing that date you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, everyone's like, what's going on? You know, no one knew what was going to happen. Yeah. So they kept pushing the day, pushing the day, pushing the day. I think she eventually, did she go up by herself? I don't remember. Yeah, she went up by herself. She went up to And she did all of the testing by herself and everything was fine. So she was cleared. We were not there. We were on Zoom. Um, mm. And then we finally got our first transfer date. Our first transfer date was February 8th, 2021. 
I don't know why I remember these dates. Um, February 8th, 2021. And, um, you know, there was like a lot of chaos getting her there because of the snow and all the stuff. Anyways, she went um, by herself, by herself you know, and we <laughs> saw it through Zoom. Um, the pregnancy took, um, and but at six weeks, there was a heartbeat, um, but it was a very slow heartbeat and the heartbeat then disappeared. Um, so we lost the pregnancy and it, it took her a while for, you know, her body to expel it. And it was very, um, traumatic, I would say, especially for her. Um, and we just felt super helpless, you know, in that moment Mm -hmm. to help her. We couldn't do much. Um, it was rough. Mm -hmm. It was rough. She recovered. Took about three months. Yeah. She recovered beautifully. And, um, and then we had our transfer for our son on July 15th, 2021. And and now, and now he's going to be four months soon. Uh, four months? Oh, my gosh. Well, congratulations to both yeah, of you. Thank you. He's, first of all, he's so cute. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> oh, you my gosh. So <laughs> <laughs> I know. If the people that are listening, first of all, we'll have links to your Instagram account and any website and any way to reach you and so on. But you have to take a look at Maverick. He's just too cute. Yes. Oh, my you gosh. He's and smiling more and more every day. It's so he cute. Laughs. He laughs. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> How was the pregnancy for you guys? Not Were you able to see her a few times? or Because you weren't living in the same cities, yeah, right? She's in Orlando. We are currently in Houston. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. we only saw her once. That's right. During the pregnancy right. in person, everything else was yeah. Zoom and FaceTime. And the time that wow. we went was a fun visit. We did the um, the body scan visit. That's the time we went. Anatomy scan. Oh, sorry. Anatomy scan. <laughs> and um, the body scan. Anatomy scan. And um, it was a really fun you know, visit to be at. Um, <clears throat> and we also took photos for our announcement, announcement which was really fun. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the great thing about having um crystal be our surrogate um was that you know we already knew her and we already had like a like somewhat of a relationship with her um so our relationship um just kind of grew from there and um it was very easy for us to communicate with her um as we were going on through the process i was constantly thinking about what would this be like with somebody else that we did not know at all and um, the challenges that that must present uh, for people mm-hmm. to do it, um, because we would just always say to each other, like, oh, my God, we're so lucky. We're so lucky. She's so awesome. And we're able to text mm-hmm. her. We would FaceTime her, like, at least once a week. We would have, like, a real mm-hmm. sit down and just talk about everything that's happening with her, with what we need her, her to do or what we can do for her. And it was just a really... Um, beautiful thing and she's in surrogacy i don't know if you know this um but the surrogate attend uh should and and historically has to have children of her own um i didn't yeah, know that so because they want to make sure everything works right so Got they want to eliminate yeah. risk you know? um so she has two little kids of her own that are not that little anymore no. one's 12 and one's eight um but we were you know we loved them too and her husband and stuff so it just felt like a really cool experience that bonded us i think um in a, mm. in a forever forever yeah, for sure and i would imagine if it's the woman's first like delivery or first child there might the psychologically that would be even harder yeah, exactly. to yeah so i get yeah. that i get that but makes a lot of sense. people don't know yeah. that yeah 
Yeah, I didn't know that. So somebody who's listening right now and might be, you know, trying to figure out adoption versus surrogacy with your journey. I'm assuming surrogacy is, is, is something you would recommend, but is there anything else? Like, how, What if they don't have somebody in their lives that wants to contribute to this? How can they find somebody or do you have any advice regarding that? Yeah, I mean, I think that's really the hardest part in our journey was finding mm-hmm. the right person that could carry. So most people go through agencies. Um, okay. So you can find mm-hmm. surrogacy agencies we had a little help from some Broadway friends of ours who own a company called Elevate Baby, and they are a full service a surrogacy agency. Um, and they kind of advised us. They didn't really, like we didn't hire them, but they were, they were mutual friends, but we recommend them. They're great. I mean, they just seem to really have their stuff together and very, mm-hmm. very professional, but, um, but, you know, finding a surrogacy agency that they typically, you know, with that, you pay a fee up front, hmm. uh, but they take care of everything for you. So a lot of the stuff we had to do, you don't even have to touch. Yeah. Uh, like yeah. our friends who went through the surrogacy process, they went through an agency, uh, Jared, Jared in LA. Mm-hmm. And he said in 14 months, like it just took 14 months and they had a baby, like from when they wow. signed the papers to when they, like, yeah. so it's, it's really that's probably the fastest and easiest way, but it is also mm. more expensive. So it's just, like mm. I said, every journey is different. And I've learned that more and more, like people will give you all kinds of advice, but your journey is not going to be like anybody else's. Right. Mm. Yeah. It's just like parenting. Were you able? Oh yeah. Everyone, we're going to get yeah, into right, that yeah, part yeah. now. Now we know that be- <laughs> that's the fun part. <laughs> were you able to be there uh, present during the delivery? Oh, yes. It oh, was- yes. Yes. <laughs> it was the most amazing amazing like otherworldly yeah i mean I, hard to describe the feelings and excitement and stress and anticipation mm. and then the the love beauty the beauty the yeah the love that we had in the room and then i've never we, seen somebody's face that quickly and felt that connected to yeah them. when i saw when he came face, out it was like yeah love you know what i mean it's yeah. so hard yeah. to describe to it people. was yeah it was the most amazing thing i didn't know i didn't know what to expect i mean and it was just magical you know i always say maverick he's my magic man <laughs> like you're my magic man well i i love that it was so instant because you know this is something i talk a lot about with um, with parents because sometimes we don't feel that connection right away and i don't want parents to think that it's automatic, but sometimes it is. Yeah. And and it's so good to hear that from you yeah. guys because you never know, you know, it could take time to build that relationship. Yeah, I yeah, I get that. Mm. I, I I hear that too from people. That like mm. they're, they, I, but I think there's, I think our expectations were very neutral in a way. Like, mm. and I think that's probably a good way to go because I really just wanted True. to create a space for him yeah. to just be mm. able to be present it's a lot to show up in this world this crazy ass world we live in so like (laughs) i'll like all i could think about is like and i would think about this like just holding him when i'm delirious and not and sleep deprived but i would just think about like how close to just being a soul he was to being in human Mm -hmm. flesh and like this such a short distance between when he was just a spirit and when he was actually like in this human body it's so cool and like yeah I would think showing up in a human body in uh, in America at this time would be a shock, mm. right? So just like yeah. holding, <laughs> he knew, sp- yeah. <laughs> so just holding space for him so, to just like kind of yeah. take it in. And I think yeah. that that's really where, to me, I was just like, I just want to just give him this vessel that he can just thrive mm. in. And I don't know, that's 
it's silly to, to the way I, the way I well, say it, but that's how. It's not silly, actually. How, how about we talk about that vessel? Because I think all parents have their picture, their idea of what that vessel is going to be for their newborn baby and their child. How would you describe that vessel for you? You know, like what's the sort of protection that you hope to put, you know, to give him or to the world that you want to create for him? So, I mean, there's so many things and it's so interesting because it feels so, my vessel at this moment feels so um, short term, a lot of it, even though it mm -hmm. shouldn't be. And now when I'm saying, or, I would like it not to be short term, um, but I think I just, I want to be able to just support him and allow him to learn and gain as much independence as he can while just feeling the love that we have for him and trying to surround him with the right kinds of people as much as I can control knowing that um, when I, you know, when he goes out into the real world, all of the jerks that are out there that may, you know, may or may <laughs> not um, give him as much love as he deserves. Like right now it's just about, you know, supporting him, loving him, um, protect, yeah, protecting him. I, I didn't know, no one told me that I would be so protective and that that um <laughs> he's like so territorial yeah it's i had no idea so I, i i experienced that as well and i think a lot of new parents feel that to the point of sometimes feeling anxious like of letting people around their baby or have you guys felt that as well or he's pointing <laughs> you definitely yeah. you oh. don't know my feelings yeah <laughs> there were times where he, i had to fight him to hold the baby at the beginning mm. i was like steven <laughs> we were both yeah it was That was a transition. And that's something that would be interesting for you to, to look at too. Is I was just going to bring a study. <laughs> I was just going to talk of, about a study. Yeah. Same-sex parents and same-sex men yes. particularly. Mm. Because I do think that there's probably the, the roles aren't quite as clear and delineated, right? It's, you know, mm. with, with a, a mother who's given birth, she her responsibility is feeding. <clears> and, <throat> you know, mm. that's part of that process because she's able to do mm. that. And usually the, the, the husband isn't. With us, there's this. There was this weird, like, mm. um, like my therapist said, it was like competition, right? It's like this weird, like, competition oh. of like, and it's subconscious. It's just like, yeah. are you feeding him better than I am? And because, because, mm. like, you don't just figuring out whose strengths, the role, and, and roles, yeah, play, you know, play. I get that. That was an interesting thing. Yeah. And, and you know what, it's really interesting to hear your, your, what, like the postpartum part, which you still are in that postpartum part, you know, and I think that the research, first of all, is really interesting. So there, there was this really big study that looked at um, dads in either same sex or um, in with a, a mom and a dad. And what they saw is that dads in the same sex marriage had very similar brain changes than moms. So what happened is that the more time you spend with the child, which is what you're doing right now, the more, uh, the stronger the bond is. And then your brain, the, the parts of the brain for social like skills. So connecting with somebody, understanding like visual cues, like somebody looking to the eyes and all of that, just understanding those social cues, that part of the brain gets stronger and, and, and bigger. So that's what we learned through the research. And I think it's fascinating too, 
just to understand that it's that time commitment, right? So the more time we spend, we will see similar changes to, like you said, the mom who is nursing and, and feeding the baby. So she is spending a lot of that time, but you can have the same changes as yeah, well. And it, it has been very interesting to see the bond. Yeah. And even just like when he first came out, Stephen fed him the um, colostrum, um, mm. you know, fr from yeah. a syringe, but um, mm. Stephen got to feed him the colostrum. That was such a beautiful gift that she gave us too, was she pumped for us. And, mm. And then also that first time doing skin to skin with him was just so mm. special. I mean, he ripped out most of my chest hair when he did that, but <laughs> it was so special. Um, but I, but I do think it hurts so good. <laughs> but um, yeah, so but as good. far as the vessel goes for me, mm. I just constantly think about helping him be as independent and confident in himself as possible. Like mm. when he puts himself to sleep right now, yeah, right. We're at this stage where he's able to like put himself wow. to sleep. I'm so proud of him. Like, I'm just like, mm. and I'm only watching in a monitor. I'm not letting him know, like, that's on him. I don't want to, you know, but I'm just like, and I can feel that he's like proud of himself too. Like, yeah, mm. I, I was able to do that for myself. I'm able to put myself to mm. sleep and take care of myself. And that's the thing I really want to hold for him is like a safe space. Because I mean, the truth is, especially as a same sex couple during this time, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, bigotry and homophobia mm -hmm. and we live in a part of the country where it's a little more, it's a little more visible. Um, mm -hmm. And so creating a space where he realized he knows like his family is just as equal in the eyes of God and the eyes of the law as any other family, regardless of what other people say. And I think it's important that he not need that validation that he just knows like this is a family yeah. that is full of love that he has just as much um, opportunity and, um, mm. and, and compassion for others too, uh, that he doesn't necessarily need all that external validation. And so that's my, the vessel I think about with him is just sort of like watching him being with him, holding space for him to fail, to try mm. to risk and, and be, be himself. And I mean, really, the vessel right now sometimes too is just to hold him as tight as he can. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. That's what he needs. Love I love that. Yeah. You know, I, I when we talk about this vessel as, as well, now he's younger, but as he gets older and starts having these big emotions, that's when things get a little bit tricky. Yeah. <laughs> how, how, how would you describe the parenting style you want to apply with him? So in terms of parenting style, we often talk about, you know, setting limits. So being firm on limits, but also the sensitivity and the empathy and the connection. So balancing both of those. So I guess before we talk about your parenting style, how, how, what was the parenting style with you guys growing Ugh. up? And is it something you, if you want to talk yeah. about it, but if, is it something you want to continue or something you'd like to change now as parents? Hmm. Well, I, it's interesting because I think the parenting style that I was kind of brought up in was, you know, I was showered really with love and affection, but at the same time, um, not always um, guided. I was, mm -hmm. um, you know, was left to be independent really early. Um which I think is, was a good thing and not a good thing. Um, um, but like, but, but also my parents were just so like lovey dovey with me, you know? And so, 
the one thing that I would love to continue, obviously, is like the lots of <laughs> hugging and kissing and the affection. <laughs> the affection, yeah. Um, you know, and it's. <laughs> I would love to say that I'm going to be like really hard on limits and I just, I'm already like, we're doing sleep training and I have such a hard time, like letting him cry mm. and doing the checks and, mm. and it's only for four. We only do it for four minutes, but it's just like, anyway, it's, I, I would it's like hard. to say that I'm going to be like, no, but I have a <laughs> feeling I'm not, I, I hope that I'm going to be able to set the boundaries and keep within the boundaries that I say mm. and set. I really hope that I can stick to it. You can. <laughs> Brett, will you be able to maintain boundaries? <laughs> Just in case Stephen yes. can't. I think that we've yes. learned that that's my role here is I tend mm. to be the one, like I've been reading um, the Rye Method, the Magda Gerber Rye books mm-hmm. of of, you know, raising a competent child. And, mm. um, I really want to get into some sort of class where we yeah. can like have some oversight, but I've been reading these books about that. And I just really love this concept of your child is a fully formed human being mm-hmm. and just allowing them to have autonomy and consent and, yeah. um, and communicate. It just is a slower communication, you know, but they, but he does communicate with us and it's, when I really create that, like the put him in that vessel where I can just say, are you ready for a diaper change and give him the time to process? He will tell me what he wants to do. Just like I was mm-hmm. telling Steven, he's now reaching for the bottle and like mm-hmm. putting it to his mouth. He has bad aim. Wow. It kind of yeah, like he's ends like, up in his eye, but like, he's like, <laughs> but you get the point. He's getting yeah. there. Right. <laughs> and so, so yeah, but exactly. if, but if I just put the bottle in his mouth, he wouldn't actually give me that permission. And I just love that mm-hmm. idea of that. And then the other thing I really try to do, because, for me growing up, my sort of family system, my oldest brother is on the spectrum. And then I have a twin brother and we're the youngest. And there are four of us and it was, we're all two years apart and it was just kind of mm. chaotic. Right. And it was like yeah. trying to make up for um, the intellectual disability that my brother, oldest brother mm. had and everyone just sort of this very codependent system in my family of, and my mom was a nurse. So everything could be fixed with a pill. It was like, Oh, you're feeling mm. that way. You must be depressed here. Take this. Oh, you need this. Da, da, da. Like, mm. cause that's just, she just like wow. dosed, dosed yeah. out medicine, you know, even if it was like, she needed to fix everything instead of what mm. I really want to do is go, I don't, um, th- this doesn't need fixing. You're exactly who you're supposed to be. And if you're feeling angry or, and I, I don't want even want to name his emotions. That's the thing I constantly try not to do is like, when he's upset, I just go, I hear that you're upset and just hold that space for him till until he can name his feelings until he knows what those are. Because I just grew up in a, in a system where everything was sort of trying to almost be controlled in a way. Right. Even like yeah. coming out when I was, before I mm-hmm. came out in high school, I was being fed a lot of like, Oh, I'm so proud of you for not being gay. Like just trying to control things. Right. Wow. And yeah. I, I want to just create space for him to just go like, if he wants to cry it out, great. Like, well, let's find an appropriate place for you to do that. And you're allowed to have that, those feelings. And then we can talk about it afterwards. What was that? What was that experience like? Like Mm -hmm. just to be able to help him understand who he is in the world and why he Mm -hmm. feels that way. Cause I just don't think I ever had that. Like, I Mm remember, you know, I, I never was respected and like, in the idea of like, if I'm having feelings, 
they would be like, oh, he's so sensitive. Ugh, right? Yeah. Instead of going, oh, Brett's having feelings. Let's allow him the space to have those feelings. And then we can talk about what those feelings are for him so that mm-hmm. he can start to understand who he is in the world. And, and that's, that's the thing I think about quite often with him. It's interesting that emotions came up because I think that's the biggest thing that we try to work on as parents. Like we, we could function in the world without realizing that we internalize emotions or that we, you know, like that we're afraid of certain emotions or expressing them. We're fine. We can be in a relationship that way. We'll have arguments. We, you know, we make up and then it's over. But with a child, once they start having these big emotions and these tantrums and these, you know, whatever we want to call them, but in that moment, all of a sudden you're triggered and then your past comes back and you're like, well, I wasn't allowed to have these big emotions. What do I do now? Like, stop being, why are you being like this? Like, stop crying, right? And you try to stop it because we're uncomfortable in those emotions. So it's really interesting that that came up. I That was something I struggled with, even knowing all the science and having studied it. All of a sudden, when my kids, I had, I have three kids. And then when the second one came around, I was like, hold on a second. I can't have two crying kids at yeah. the same time. This is nuts. I can't do this. Like, it's just too much. And then the third one came. But it was just, it was a lot. It was <laughs> for mental health too, you know, it's just like, it's, it's a lot. So it's, I really love that it's already on your mind and that you've thought about it because it's going to come into play <laughs> pretty soon enough. <laughs> well, I mean, even with the sleeping, yeah. you know, mm. sometimes you, you mm. can tell the difference in yeah, the tone and the way sure. he cries when he's hungry or when he's just like uncomfortable. <clears throat> well, yeah. And then you know, when he, when he's clearly hungry, you can tell, you can totally tell. And I, you know, I still will try to do the checks and, but like in the beginning when we first started doing it and it would happen and I knew he was hungry, I would do like one check and I'd be like, I'm going to feed him. And Brett would be like, how many checks did you do? And I'm like, one, he was hungry. <laughs> but we're trying to get him to sleep through the night. You know? No, you know, but like, so then I, but then today, like, or this morning he woke up at like 5.40 and I was like, or 5.30 and I was like, oh, oh my gosh. God, it's so close to seven. Like, come on. <laughs> Anyways, so I let him, you know, I did three checks and, um, and it was like close to like 15 minutes that he was basically crying and I knew he was hungry, but I was just like, I got it. I'm going to try. But you know, the thing try. I keep thinking about in that situation is like, as, <laughs> as hard as it is for us, like emotionally, it's not about me. Like I, mm. I'm doing this for him. Right. And I just, that's what but I, I knew he was about. hungry and I'm like, I know, I know I'm like, going to feed you. <laughs> but I also think like, it's so good for him to have 15 minutes to feel his feelings and cry and yeah. use his voice and find his voice, even though he can't necessarily describe what it is. Yeah, his voice is so sweet. I just keep thinking this is so good for him to just go, I'm mad, I'm angry, or I'm upset, whatever it is. And I'm just going to feel this for a minute. And if we just rushed mm. in there and did it, he would never feel like his voice mattered. And, and that's how mm. I think about it. Yeah. And and I think that's fine. I think that's it's it's something that you should continue thinking of because I think his emotions do matter. All kids' emotions matter, and we have to think of that. One thing that's interesting is at that age, though, they look for like, am I safe? Where is the closest, safest person to? So part of that cry, saying like, where are you? You should be here. (laughs) So it's good to check. It's that's I love you guys. Kind of balance each other out (laughs) in a really beautiful way because that initial like having to go see them you're there. <laughs> Steven's there. And that like, it's okay. <laughs> the calmness is, is bred on that yeah, side. So it's true. a really good balance. I love that. But it was funny <laughs> because this morning he was like, did you, did you feed him? And I was like, yeah, 
I fed him, but like after, or no, you were like, why didn't you feed him right away? I was like, because I did three checks and then I fed him and it was torture. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. New, new parents sometimes have this worry about like, am I going to have that like instinct, you know, like am I going to understand what to do and when to do it and how? Did you ever worry about that like going into yeah, this sure. or are you the kind of, yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, or are you the kind of people that say, like, whatever happens, happens? Or no, it, a little bit of both. That's like, I think, I okay. mean, isn't it like any relationship? I mean, it's. You just kind of got to wait and see. You got to know. Like, I have. I I think that we don't know. We didn't know him, yeah. right? And he didn't know us. Mm. And so. But I, I definitely had conversations with friends. I would be like, I remember texting one, my one friend who had a baby like five months before us. And I was like, so, like, you can just tell, like, <laughs> when he needs it like he cries if he needs a diaper change or cries if he needs food like you just know and she was like yeah you can tell and i'm like okay like you know what i mean i just like i didn't understand <laughs> you know i was like yeah. okay wait is that, i'm gonna understand that she was like you will and i'm like okay you know and she was right she was right because you spend so much yeah. time you, yeah you just getting to know them and learning them and also making mistakes is okay right that's how we learn yes. like you know we might think it's a certain cue and then we do we do something and they're like oh that didn't help no, no, yeah. <laughs> that changed nothing no, yeah no. exactly so it's okay to make mistakes do you worry about that too like the mistakes or as you as he gets older the discipline part and all that i i mean <laughs> we're kind of taking it one day at a time but i yeah. do think like i don't i just the thing i worry about the most is like I just don't want him to be spoiled. Like in my head, I'm like, I don't mm. want him to think that his, that he's any more or less special than any other person. Right. I want mm. him to see like that he's, and I think that's, he's an only child. We're already exploiting him on the internet. So who knows what he'll think, but <laughs> I feel like there's, <laughs> there's, I'm joking about it sort of. Um, but I think that there's the thing that I do worry about is like, I, I told him when we first met him in the hospital, I said to Maverick, I'm, just, I'm holding him. I was like, listen, we're going to do the best we can. We're probably not going to get it right all the time. And I just ask your patience and your forgiveness as we, as we do this together. Right. And that's just how I kind of feel about it. Also, you know, and back to like, this kind of circles back to what we were talking about before is like parenting styles and what I was, how I was raised and, you know, as I grew, as I got older, I always looked back and wished my parents had told me exactly what to do. You know, I would go to them and ask them, you know, should I do this? Or what do you think? I don't know what to do. And my mom would always say, well, what do you think is going to make you happy? And I would be like, that's not what I want you to tell me. I want you to tell me <laughs> tell A me or B. Like, I can't yeah. figure it out. And... um mm. And there's a part part of me that wants to, I guess, like tell him or guide him as clearly as possible. But now, now that we're talking about it and we have a baby, like mm -hmm. I know why my mom did that. I mean, but then later on in life, you know, in my 30s and 40s, she would tell me exactly what she thought I should do. You know, Especially like, with you shouldn't baby. do that, you know. But yeah. um, oh. but but like, where was this when I was fifteen? It had, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, mm. So, mm. you know, there's a part of me that hopes that I can be as clear without telling him exactly what to do. <laughs> does that even mm. make sense? I don't know. It does. Yeah. It does. Yeah. <laughs> 
I want to put myself in the shoes now of the parents that are listening. And I had put out a question box and I want to make sure that I address some of the questions. And one of them is, is, is a beautiful question because it shows like the community always wants to like the curious neuron parents always want to know like how to be compassionate and curious around something. So one of the questions was, how do we have conversations with our children to make sure that your son or that we understand same sex, we can explain same sex marriages to our children um, in a way that's respectful to you guys. Oh, that's such a good thoughtful question. Um, So I think honestly, there's children's books that talk about how families are different. Every family looks different Mm -hmm. and that, um, you know, giving birth to a child, um, doesn't require, you know, a man and a woman that there's mm. plenty of non-binary and trans people who mm. can give birth. And, um, and so there's, I think reading to your children and showing them like, here's what a, here's what a family, what families can be, you know, your, your family's mm. like this, but other families are like this. But I think that if you want to, you know, talk to your children, I think, I honestly, children don't think that much about it, right? I think if the thing we have to remember is that kids aren't thinking that hard about it. You simply just saying they have two dads. And I guarantee you, your kid's going to go, cool, great. No problem, right? Yeah, it's, it's true. us. <laughs> I think right? you're right. It's yeah. us that overthink yeah. it. Well, how did that happen? Yes. Why? How did they do that? Yeah. I know how a man or woman does that. Kids don't think about mm. that. They don't care, right? It's like, cool, mm. right? So I think not making an issue out of it. If you're curious, mm. like I think a lot of times people are curious how adults are curious, how do you create a child through surrogacy or whatever? Mm-hmm. Google it, read it. There's plenty of resources <laughs> out there. Be curious. Don't don't let, don't let put the pressure on other same-sex parents to explain to you mm. their journey. That's not your, that's not their that's a good point. Right, your business, to be honest. Yeah. Right. Do some research of how surrogacy goes, and mm-hmm. just honor that they uh, deserve to be a family, just mm-hmm. uh, as much and equally as as any other family. Mm-hmm. Um, and the more you can just respect that and honor that, and and not get too caught up in the details. In the details, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it, that's such a good point. It doesn't point. matter. Mm-hmm. It's like family is family, love is love. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I don't want to repeat anything you said, but there was also like this book that actually our surrogate had, and I wish I could remember the name of it. And we'll send it to you when we find it. Yeah, there's this, yeah, there's this really great book, and it was like some people have sperm and some people have uteruses, and there were like these pictures of like they weren't even bodies; they were just kind of like different color aura with. Like what a uterus looks explaining, like explaining like huh. this person needs a and uterus then a sperm and sperm goes into the egg and, and like that's it. it creates and a that's baby. It. It and it was like, it's that simple. It was, there right? was no like anything else. It was super like cut and dry and it was super clear <laughs> and um, simple. I, and I think it was a children's it. book. And yeah. I just think like we can overthink this so easily. And you know, I think that we, I mean, I've actually already had those thoughts of like, I'll, I'll be holding Maverick and I think that kind of thing, like what are other people going to, how are they going to uh, receive him with two dads? Right. Mm-hmm. And how is he going to feel? And then I think he's going to feel great because we've supported him and loved him. And that's what he knows. Yeah. 
he's not going to mm-hmm. know. There's a difference. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, so it's exactly. so, but yeah. I think as far as your audience goes, I think just always think through the fact that um, it isn't just same sex parents that, that, you know, there are widower parents, single mm-hmm. dads, right? There are mm-hmm. single moms, there are trans and non-binary relationships and, mm-hmm. and genderqueer and all this. There are different types of families out there. Um, mm-hmm. And so respecting and understanding that that family deserves to have as much love and respect as yours. It's not mm. any different just because you have the gift and the ability and maybe even, dare I say, the privilege. Um, if you are in a heterosexual functioning um, reproductive system, um, to be able to have birth naturally, that doesn't make um that doesn't make it any different or less loved or less worthy than yours. So I think explaining to your child very simply that Mm -hmm. that is Maverick and he has two dads. How lucky is he? Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) And that's what we say to him. How lucky are you that you Mm -hmm. get to have two dads? There's not a lot of people that get to have that. Mm. You know, I love that. What a, I, I love that I asked this because just approaching it in the way of the family composition and the love and all in the end, that's what the child needs. And, and looking at it that way makes it so easy to explain it to a child. And it shouldn't be more complicated than that. But we do make it more complicated, yeah. right? We think, what should I say? How should I say it? What do they need to know? What if they have more questions? I don't know. And and just bring it down to that level yeah. is such a beautiful way yeah. to do it. And that's yeah, why I'll say, I we'll that. that book too, because if they do have more questions, you can read this book where it just talks about exactly, reproductive yeah. systems. It doesn't give you yeah. any <laughs> other else. any other yeah. information. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. And and we're nearing the end of our conversation. And I want to thank you both for taking the time to chat with me. Um, I again want to go back to the p- parents that are listening now. We've spoken about you guys, and, and you know we've understood your relationship and and your 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 new role as parents. I'd love to understand a little bit more if it's okay with you if a parent is listening and perhaps um, thinks or has their child is giving them some sort of sign that they want to come out and they want to talk about this. How can a parent support them to make sure that it's a loving community, loving home and, and that they can support them with mm. this? That's, that's a beautiful yeah. question. And it's, it's a, it's a challenging question. I know for parents, especially if the family has a conservative religious background, mm. it, tends to create some trauma. Um, Mm. and so I think it's important to understand for you, like what is your, as a parent, your responsibility in this situation Mm. and what is your child's responsibility? Because if your child is, is expressing even just wanting to have a different gender expression or, Mm -hmm. or expressing a same sex attraction in some way, That is not a reflection Mm -hmm. on you. That has nothing to do with you. You need to hold space for them to be who they want to be and who they can be. And then you need to find out how you can resolve whatever issues you have around it. Cause there are plenty of resources and support around that. Um, Mm -hmm. if you are, if you are having issues around it, because what's most important is that that child understand that they, they have value exactly as who they are. If that's what they want to explore, create a space for them to do that in a safe way. Um, that doesn't mean like, don't let them be out in public or whatever. That's what they want to be. You be the best. So you are the safety for them. And I, th- I think right? also, I think, I think part of it too is also to let 
the child lead, mm-hmm. you know, don't, mm-hmm. um, maybe like overcompensate. Are you, what's going on? Are you, <laughs> I, I can see you're doing this. Does that mean you're gay or I don't know, you know, oh you know, saying something yeah, I know what you mean. or just, <laughs> or when you say you're gay, just like, allowing them, like, just allowing them, them to, to come to you. And mm-hmm. I guess show them that you're somebody that they actually want to come to and say that to and that they will get mm-hmm. respect and love back. Because I think mm-hmm. the reason why kids don't want to tell their parents that they're gay is because we think, or I can speak for myself is that I was afraid that my parents wouldn't love me anymore or that my parents mm-hmm. would stop talking to me or And so whether or not they said that directly to me, that was fed into my psyche. And I didn't tell, I didn't tell my mom that I was gay until I was like 23. So I think allowing yourself to be a parent that your child actually wants to come to. And I mean, there's, you know, who knows how to do that perfectly? I don't know, but, (laughs) but, you know, do your best to show that you're somebody who's open to, you know, the alternative things that maybe their parents are afraid. You know, I understand people get afraid like that their child's going to suffer or, or feel discriminated against Mm -hmm. or, um, or maybe even make a wrong decision. I know that's something that I hear Mm -hmm. parents say, like, what if they decide later on the line, they aren't gay or whatever. Right. Like that's not your decision to make. Right. Mm -hmm. You, if you're Mm -hmm. feeling fear and anticipation of them and something that's, not actually happening at this moment, right? right? Um, that's your stuff. That's not theirs. Mm. So the more you can separate your own fears, your own expectations, and and I would even say your own ignorance. Yeah. So that requires you yeah. reading, learning, joining um, mm. groups where there's other parents who are experiencing similar uh, journeys with mm. their children so that you know you're not alone because you, you're not alone. Like if your kid is is experiencing this there are so many other kids out there and those parents would love to know that there's somebody else going through it as well yeah yeah oh that's really good and you know it's funny the you're not alone thing we do that every sunday on kirsten on we have you're not alone because it you know I think as parents, we often feel alone in in something that we're going through, like sleep training, for example, you know, you might be struggling with it and then you think you're the only one going through this. So we always want to know, like, am I the only one? And and by asking that, you realize, oh, 67% of people are going through the same thing or like 87% of parents think they're failing and they're not, you know, so it's nice to know that. And that's a really nice um, addition to what you were just saying, to just see that you're not alone. Yeah. Thank you. I, I really enjoyed this conversation with both of you, and I appreciate that you took the time. Um, before we leave, is there any projects going on? If anyone's in the Houston area, I'm going to be in Mary Poppins at Theater Under the Stars this Christmas season. So mm-hmm. I'll be doing a show there. And, you know, and then right now we're just really trying to get our footing, you know, around yeah. supporting our child. And yeah. it's been fun. It's hard sometimes to, it's hard a lot, but it's hard to make the content for sure. Sometimes <laughs> like we keep saying, we're going to do this one dance and, and we, we haven't done, done it. it. I know. I, know. <laughs> I just, just think of the same thing. Like we're not going to do that again. Today. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's, yeah, it's cool. Um, uh, yeah, I guess the thing, one more thing we, we have so much just, to learn and yeah. we're going to come find your, yeah. your, your group and come be a part of it. I think the thing that we need support. to learn the most right now is just, I don't think it, I, 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 I can't imagine that any parent can figure this out easily is like just balancing being a parent 
and getting anything getting done. anything done or getting back into life and feeling like you're fully engaged like I it's just, a myth that doesn't exist yeah okay great great <laughs> yeah right. there is that right. it that's it okay. <laughs> there's no science behind that <laughs> okay, okay. it's, it's life <laughs> There's it's an no illusion. Balance. If anybody yeah. says they have that, it's an illusion. No, it's it's fake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Thank you again to both of you. And I'm sure we will be chatting again soon. Thank you. That is it for today's episode. Thank you for listening again. And I hope you subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating and a review. And I will see you next week. Bye. <laughs>